This episode is presented by the Pacific Wine and Food Classic, returning September 30th to Newport Beach, California. You can save 25% off your tickets right now by using the discount code SEATS at checkout. That's a capital C E A T S. Once again, that is SEATS at checkout for 25% off your tickets to the 2023 Pacific Wine and Food Classic. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 122 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. Thank you to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show and you're listening on free feeds, wherever that may be, Consider leaving a rating and or a review, sharing it on social media. It helps new audiences discover the show. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just, uh, just like this, including merchandise, the blog, uh, some updates, and so forth. Uh, but as always, the best experience is only found on Patreon, where so many of you support this show each and every month. It is greatly appreciated, whether you are at the $2 a month tier or up at the norm status of $15 or in the advertising tiers, because that's where advertising can happen as well. You make this show possible, so thank you so much for doing so. On to the episode. Um, my guest this week is Trevor Baird of Trevor's at the Tracks in San Juan Capistrano. Uh, Trevor is somebody who I admire a lot. His restaurant is one that I've spent a bunch of time at, um, especially on like Sunday brunches and stuff like that, being down in the depot in San Juan. It's just a really fun, fun place to be. Um, I live in South County here in Orange County, so it makes sense for me. San Juan is a great place for me to spend a lot of Sunday afternoons, Friday nights, things like that. Trevor's is beautiful. It sits right on the train tracks in this historic building, um, which we talk about in the show. They've got live music all the time, great food, great drinks. But there's a lot more going on under the surface than just this being a great restaurant where you can sit outdoors, enjoy the sunshine, and have another really great rendition of a spicy margarita. Those are a plenty in Orange County. But it's everything that Trevor does and what his team does behind the scenes that I really admire, I really respect, and I wanted to learn more about. Their approach to sustainability, the motto of the restaurant being locally acquired, globally inspired. They really work hard at sourcing as much as they can locally. Their liquor program, they've dropped basically everybody who's not either California or at least within a state that's close enough in relation where the product makes sense. California wines local breweries. There's a real big undercurrent of pride in this restaurant. I mean, you know, the outdoor garden that was custom built, they source a lot of their produce from that where they can. They're working on other projects where they'll be sourcing, which you can learn more about in the show. But basically just a very, very cool episode with somebody who is, you know, Trevor's a local guy. He grew up in this area. He knows this area. He knows this hospitality industry inside and out. He's worked in it for years. 
So this is why I think this is a really cool restaurant to talk about outside of the fact that it's just stunning. I mean, it's a really cool experience to go there, sit on the patio, listen to music. The trains come by. You get the energy of the depot. Like, it's just a lot of fun. And I really can't recommend it enough. So if you're unfamiliar with it or if you're a regular, I really hope that you get something fun out of this episode as we jump into 122 of the Best Seats podcast with Trevor Baird of Trevor's at the Tracks. Enjoy. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. There's a handful of things in life that I know that I'm good at. Running a successful podcast, for one. A website, photography, menu consulting, etc. But one of the things where I need help is my gardening. Specifically, culinary gardening. It's one thing to have a nice succulent or a pretty plant to look at, but there's nothing like growing your own food, herbs, and more. That's why I turn to my friend and friend of the Best Seeds podcast, Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage, for all things culinary gardening. She's an expert through and through who's worked with some of the best chefs and restaurants here in Orange County. Just see the work that she did up at the amazing Poppy and Seed in Anaheim, or some of the work she's doing with chefs like Zach Scher over at the Bellow Chef's Table. She's talented, witty, incredibly smart, and a consummate professional through and through. Whether you're running a restaurant program, a craft cocktail program, or you just want to start growing some great food at home, she has everything you need and more. So to get more information, set up a consultation, or just to see some of the things that she's done in the past, check out heirloompotage.com for more information. Trevor, welcome to the show. Beautiful day in San Juan down at Trevor's at the Tracks. I'm very excited to talk about this restaurant, your history, your family, and basically everything that you guys have going on here down in San Juan Capistrano. But before we dive into everything that I want to touch on today, would you mind taking a moment for people that may not be familiar with you to introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background? Sure. Uh, my name is Trevor Baird. I am from Laguna Niguel, California, and uh Grew up loving this area and growing up down here and uh, got interested in hospitality uh, at the young age of 18 uh, and worked uh, for a summer at the Ritz-Carlton and realized that I enjoy hospitality. And uh, I went back to college and changed my major to international hospitality management and a minor in Spanish and just kind of dove in head first and did all of the all the jobs associated under the umbrella of a restaurant and hotel and uh, just found myself immersed in it and loving it. And uh, so I had devoted my career to it. And then, uh, you know, eight years ago, uh, an opportunity came up to start off on my own. And uh, so with a healthy investment, we took this place over and turned it into what is now Trevor's at the Tracks. For people that know this area restaurant-wise, it's not an old restaurant by any means. I mean, when you speak about old restaurants, you're talking kind of those 20-year, 30-year, something like that. I mean, this is going on, what, year five, six? We are in our seventh year. Seventh year as, of business. As oh, okay. And I took it over in 15 uh, and ran it as Sarducci's um, for seven and a half months it took to get my uh, approvals and permits for what we were going to do, which was kind of gut the kitchen, gut the bathrooms, but more importantly, to add on to this historical building. So the building is uh, established in 1894. 
and sat. Uh, it was a an active uh, rail station, the yep. only one San Juan had for decades, and uh, it sat empty and abandoned for about sixteen years, fourteen years, something like that. Uh, right around uh, from sixty to seventy four. The Tyson brothers, who uh, have just now passed away, unfortunately, um, they had the vision to change the depot, which was then covered in white plaster and looked like trash. Uh, They had this vision to turn it into the premier restaurant around here. And uh, so they they added a rail, siphoned rail, like, you know, did the the track exchange. Mm -hmm. And brought in nine rail cars from all over. They carried them from, uh, you know, Santa Fe back when that was the the main rail. And uh, anyways, they had the box cars and a dining car and the caboose. And it was just, it was like the place to go. So that they opened in like uh, 75. And, uh, and it's been, so technically it's been a restaurant since then. Changed hands a couple of times, of course. Yeah. Um, and the Sarducci's had had it for, I think, a bit over a decade. And then uh, and then we swooped in and took it over. I mean, all right, well, first of all, anybody who wants to complain about building at a restaurant never had to siphon off of the actual train line. So yeah. nobody gets to have build-out complaints from here on out <laughs> because that's awesome. I just assume they always just craned them in like everybody else nowadays. Yeah. But that's a lot cooler way to do it. Um, this building, I mean, since it's really become Trevor, since it's really launched, um, I mean, it's really become kind of an icon. So, I mean, I think of it as, you know, you think of kind of down here in the depot, you know, when you think about it, this is really, it's the landmark. I mean, you have, you know, kind of the tower on the top of the building, people can see it. It sits right on the railways. It's got this kind of, whenever you're walking down the hill into this area, it's this unobstructed sight line right to it. Mm -hmm. Did you... When you're taking over a historical building, first of all, what was the build-out process like working with the city and working to preserve that historical nature and, and really kind of the beauty of it? It was kind of challenging just from a timeline perspective because we were so eager to get going on killing the old and in with the new. Yeah. But the bones of the place, I mean, they're just beautiful. And we really, everybody would expect naturally that, oh, you must have had so much trouble because it was a historical landmark. Because it's on the National Register of mm-hmm. Historical Properties, um, we didn't have any zero problems with the historical building. It was all the crap that they built in the '70s that had the asbestos, yeah. And we encountered black mold, and you know, we just started tearing. You know, we'd, we'd pull down a wall, and we would just be like, "Oh my god!" Now this whole thing, like my landlord. We had to reframe the whole kitchen. It became more surprising when something wasn't going wrong. Totally. And, and, and what are you going to do with two and a half foot thick brick and mortar walls? Their, their sound is a pound. The only thing that they had done, they retrofitted some of the stuff for earthquake um, back in the day. But beyond that, we haven't touched the interior space of it. You know, a little bit of paint, but we left the brick exposed. And it's been the same charming place it's been uh, since the 70s. So we're going on 50 years of it being a restaurant. It's pretty neat. Do you feel like a restaurateur or do you feel like a historian? I mean, preserving <laughs> something like this, especially because you're from the area, so you have not kind of an intrinsic respect for it. I do respect it greatly, especially because being from down here, this is the little bit of history we have in Southern Orange County. You know, uh, I'm involved with the mission of Capistrano and... Mm-hmm. You know, that was 1776. So while 
everything's going on in the East Coast back then with our independence. We're, you know, the Spaniards were constructing that um, in this wild, wild west. But to have to be a part of something and, and you know, be challenged with the restoration of it, the restoration has been fairly easy because they did such a darn good job in the beginning. Uh, and even sitting, you know, abandoned for years and, you know, available for vagrancy and yeah. fire and, you know, water damage and all that stuff because of the just core brick and mortar, it was able to sustain that. Um, they so quite that, literally that don't build, been, yeah, they don't build them like they used to. That part's basically. been easy, but I'm not, I'm not uh, sweeping up brick dust. I'm sweeping up everyone else's trash. And <laughs> uh, so I feel like a restaurant tour over a, over a historian. Um, for people that may not, oh no, and I, I can only believe some of the stories that you must have. Um, but before I dive into those, because I want to talk about, again, some of the stories that are associated with this place and then the way that San Juan is changing uh, sure. a little bit further down. But for people that may not be familiar with the restaurant, maybe they haven't had a chance to come down here. Maybe they, you know, there's been so much kind of change going on down here, which we'll touch on. But describe the restaurant and kind of what the experience that people can look forward to when they come. Sure. Uh, my tagline and, and motto is locally acquired, globally inspired. And that's something we just kind of developed uh, in the beginning. I wanted to have an international menu. I didn't want to have, uh, you know, I sometimes get labeled as American cuisine um, and it can be pub grub. It can be so many different things. We, we tend to put labels on food, but I wanted, I didn't want to have any barriers or any kind of, you know, confines of what the cuisine could be. I wanted to work with my chef and we, you know, we over time developed so many dishes that were changing, you know, at least twice a year. Um, and I, I, we wanted to elevate things. I know I've been hearing a lot of that, that word of elevated cuisine and this and that it's elevated bar food or what have you. Um, but there was no real farm to table, anything going on in South County and having traveled to different places and what we, what we get fed from San Fran and LA and San Diego, there's just more of that focus. And I just wanted to bring that to this area because we're so inundated with chains and national brands. And I, I wanted to do something unique. And so uh, like an onsite garden was mandatory yeah. and, and having to locally source things as much as we could. I mean, we're, we're all gluttons for all these exotic things from all over the world. We tried to bring those flavors, but featuring product that we're sourcing from, you know, a more sustainable fashion from, from California. Thankfully we live in California where everything grows anyways, minus bananas That's true. and papayas and stuff. So um, we had the fortune of being in a, such a rich state um, with having so much wine and all these breweries popping up. I wanted to showcase those. So since day one, I've never had any Anheuser-Busch product. I don't want to give a lot of my money, I guess. I mean, it's the people's money, but I don't, I don't want to support all of those big yeah. entities that don't really need me because I'm the little guy and I want to support the little guy. So we've always been about low-production wines, and, uh, you know, local breweries from L.A. to San Diego, that's my core. It's always been since uh, the beginning. 
I've always been an all California wine list. And uh, a year and a half ago, I pulled all imported liquors um, that I was able to. Tequila, we share a land border with Mexico, so I figured it was uh, you can't you can't find tequila anywhere else. But I I I I stopped ordering all of my imported whiskeys and um, vodkas. We don't have Grey Goose and Kettle One, and um, we kind of took that step forward because. We are raping this planet, and it's so evident now. Finally, it's in every headline about global warming. But for so long, it was it was debated and denied. And we have a chance, you know, it, to not to be like cheesy cliche, but the power of one. You got to start somewhere, and and nothing happens if no one does anything. And I thought that this was just such a it's a high volume restaurant. You know, we're we're hitting a thousand covers on a Saturday and the exposure and just the opportunity to be a leader in this industry. I wanted to take that on and, um, and it's been embraced. It was kind of scary. And even my staff was like, are you sure you're going to like, you know, you're going to pull gray goose. I said, yeah, cause we have vodka in California. It's all over the place. Everybody's yeah. making vodka. You can make it anywhere from almost anything. Vodka, gin. I mean, there's tons of people making great stuff in this it's, area. It's awesome. And once you start going down that rabbit hole, you find some really cool stuff. Like I'm not a scotch drinker. I prefer whiskey or bourbon, but we're not a scotch bar. We never really were. And I said, you know what? If I find a product out there, Maybe we'll we'll lose scotch. I found this uh, I found this single malt from San Jose that was crazy good. Peated single malt from Tenth Street, and you start finding these things and and talking to your suppliers and say, hey, look, these are my parameters. This is what I'm looking for. You guys yeah. got to help me find this stuff because I'm on this I'm on this mission. We got to find the coolest, localest, you know, the most handcrafted, without being like trendy. Yeah, you're not doing it for the sake of, yeah, right. you're doing it for an actual belief and a reason. You're not exactly. doing it because, ooh, gentrification, let's get in on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of like a, a pure, uh, you know, coming from a place of like pure consciousness environmentally and and wanting to project that and make that part of our ethos. I've been hearing that word a lot too, but it really, it really is true of like, if everything is communicating that similar message, that's what I want to drive forward because that's the way we have to go forward. Yeah. Otherwise, we're we're screwed. I mean, we, we talked about kind of the build out of this place a little bit. Um, it's obviously pair with all the menu development and everything that you just mentioned. I mean, I should mention when we're talking about the build out for people that don't know this building, it is a massive outdoor patio. There's constantly live music. You're kind of right on the tracks, which is really, really cool. I mean, some people might hear that and think, oh, on the tracks. No, it actually really adds to the charm of it. I mean, there's really nothing else like this in Orange County. And that's, yeah. I mean, there's, and there's restaurants that have been on this podcast a couple of times that are, you know, 500 feet from here and, you know, two miles from here. And, but still no one has that actual shared experience. Like when you come here and you mentioned that you guys crank, I mean, I've never come, I mean, we're recording this midday on a you know Tuesday and it's busy. I mean, people can hear you guys are middle of service right yeah. now. You guys are, are you ever not busy? <laughs> Two o'clock on a Tuesday is our <laughs> slowest time. <laughs> slow. No, humbly, I am. I've been so in awe of of the business that we've been able to procure. It's it's been tremendous. And you know, like for example, like I didn't want to do any marketing on year one. I wanted to let things just totally be 
I want it to be word of mouth and, and organic and, uh, and it, it worked. We just wrote on free press, you know, for example, because of the location, it's so, it's so unique, you know, part of our, we've had the trains down recently. They are now back up, but in the last year they've been down for probably half of it, I think, um, at least. And while that didn't hurt so much, the people like getting here, right. Cause no one's, few people maybe five percent are, are getting off the train and coming into the restaurant mm-hmm. it's the discovery you pass by every train is stopping here for a solid five minutes yeah your restaurant's doubling as and its own just, billboard you're just yeah. looking at it like oh what's this place you know this place looks cool same thing happens to me when i'm going south or encinitas you know or wherever i'm like oh my god that place looks awesome i want to check that out um so the discovery of of, of our place via the train, yes, but also just the discovery and the rediscovery of San Juan. This was the fourth place that we had really gone after um, in my you know journey to find a place. And we were deep in lease negotiations with, uh, with the space that is Project Social. Oh, now. yeah. Yep. Um, I, I was all about that spot, wanted to do a hillside garden. I had this huge plan, hired a architect. Like we were deep in lease negotiations. And then we heard about Sarducci's in San Juan. And we're like, wow, San Juan, yeah. I mean, San Juan was always this dumpy little sleepy town. It's a cowboy town. Never had much going on uh, for me as, and for like me and my, my, my buds, you know. Growing up, we would never come to San Juan there was only Swallows Bar, yeah. which was like some ha- cowboy biker bar. You know, wasn't our style. We would always go Laguna, Newport, Dana Point, San Clemente. Yeah, you know that's where the fun bars were. And if you're going out for a night, those are pretty much San the stations, Juan, stations of the Cross. San yeah. Juan wasn't the spot, and it's been so wonderful to be a part of this like rebirth of San Juan. And now it's just it's out of control. I mean, it's it's in control, but it's surging at such a, an amazing. Uh, rate that I'm just thrilled to be a part of it and and happy to have contributed to that in some way. Well, you naturally segue to a question that I wanted to ask about because um, again, like I mentioned, you know, a handful of people in San Juan have been on this podcast and they're all fairly recent restaurants. And like I mentioned, you know, you guys, this building may be old, but in the grand scheme of things, Trevor's is still very young too when it comes sure. to hospitality. But whether you're talking about, you know, Heritage Barbecue, you're talking about Mayfield, you're talking about, you know, Bloom that just opened up, but then you still have those historical icons like Swallows and like Lirandell and places like that. Yeah. What's it like to, and now you've got, you know, what is it, the River Street uh, or whatever the market project yep, going on River over Street. there. Yep. I mean, it's just the influx of energy. I mean, the new buildings, new build outs, townhomes over by the Ecology Center. I yes. mean, What's it like to be kind of on this wave of, like you mentioned, it's a great thing to kind of see it really surging and really surging. Is there a part of you as somebody who's kind of grown up here, though, that might be a little hesitant about that surge? Do you have to be careful to still respect kind of what San Juan was historically? I'm happy to be a part of it, of course. I, I, I respect it because it's, it's, a, it's good development. Yeah, It's not cookie cutter, uh, shitty strip malls. Yeah. Were the, the, I mean, the focus is on making things a little more natural, a little more localized, a little less national brand, and huge parking lots. Although we need parking in town, um, I'm I'm happy with 
what's what's happening. I, I don't think it should be any other way. Uh, and I don't think the space or the city would allow for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything that Evan and those guys are doing at the Ecology Center, it's top notch. I recently went to, I finally got to go to one of those, uh, one of their dinners. Uh, yeah. It was same. terrific. And, you know, we've supported them in the past. With uh, We had one dish that was 100% sourced from the Ecology Center. That's awesome. Um, and now they finally have Campesino Cafe. It's really yeah. cool. I haven't been over there yet. Um, it just launched. But uh, that's the kind of stuff we need. I want to support them. You know, we were, um, we just we just got some land to farm on up Ortega Highway that we're really excited about. And although it, it's not going to come close to meeting the demands of this place. We're getting fresh produce every day and, uh, and you know, salmon and everything. I mean, we're getting that stuff, you know, five times a week. Um, if I can make a dent in sourcing local produce that we actually grew for us, uh, my, one of my, I have now a farmer named Aaron Toon and, uh, he is just starting laying the land out there in Ortega. This is just past the uh, candy shop, if you're familiar with Ortega yeah. Highway. Yeah. Um, it's up there in Decker Canyon, but um, beautiful space. And we've got this great deal where we have free well water and, and land to, yeah, yeah and land to um, grow what we can. So our focus is going to be mostly on uh, lettuces and peppers and herbs and all those kind of things, things that are high yield. Mm-hmm. And uh, and be able to put some kind of a stamp on it. It's not again just about the marketing. There is a wholehearted, like, I want this to be the movement. We have to do this moving forward. Yeah, we have to grow our own food or try, and especially in a place that has so much sun all year round, great soils. We got to make it happen. So what we're going to be doing is composting. We've already been composting as part of a CNR project, but. Uh, CRNR, but um, we're going to be composting on site, bringing it out and utilizing that compost uh, at the farm. That's great. And then hopefully that is just one farm of many, and we start, uh, you know, we continue rather uh, that that search to have more land to do that, and maybe one day be a sustainable restaurant, self-sustaining, which is like almost unheard of for, especially for the kind of volume we do. No, I, if somebody's a self-sustaining restaurant these days, it's almost more of a marketing thing because they're just they're so rare they don't exist. Uh, that's awesome, and that's hugely commendable. I love that. Thanks, and I, I do agree with you. I think you're bringing the right developers into this area. Um, there's a lot of growth into it, but yes, if anybody's listening, more parking would be appreciated, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, I mean, that's huge that you guys are getting your own farm space. I mean, there's got to be countless restaurants that are going to be envious just hearing about something like that, and, and it is a lot of work to take on. But doing all that is it's. It's fantastic, and that's the way it should be. That's my belief in it. But you also have, I mean, you're growing stuff here on site, too. I mean, yes. beautiful, like, garden space out front that used to just be, you know, barren grass. I mean, right. you guys are utilizing, for a very big restaurant, I mean, what's the total square footage of Trevor's? Because this is a big 11,000 square feet. Yeah, and it feels like a big space. You guys seem to utilize every inch or something, which is yeah. phenomenal. But I mean, how did the garden space out front come to be? Because I mean, I, I was bringing in the equipment today and these people stopped and they were looking at it and they were in awe. Now yeah. I wanted them to move because the equipment was heavy, but no, they were like, this is phenomenal. This is beautiful. Like, how did that all come to be? Uh, we wanted to do something. We, we always had the plan to do the raised garden beds. Um, it's about all you can do with that given space. You know, we're talking about maybe like a 
what would you say that space is like a couple hundred square feet? Yeah. At, at most. Yeah. So, um, we're, uh, we're pickling our own cucumbers yep. and we are utilizing the Swiss chard and all the kale in, uh, in our kale vegetable soup, as well as our, uh, we do like a, a sauteed garden greens. So we're using, utilizing that there. Uh, 100% of the yield, everything that comes out of that is going into the uh, restaurant or bar. You know, we have a bunch of mint out there, a bunch of rosemary um, on the herbs. But we do sugar snap peas when the cucumbers aren't growing. So that's our winter dish that we utilize in our no lettuce salad and our soul bowl. And all the citrus that comes off the pygmy citrus plants we're utilizing in the bar. And... Like I said, I mean, if I can try to dent it, it's it's making some kind of a yeah. difference. Trying to find some ways. sort of balance for it. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's hard, and you know I could be called a hypocrite on a number of different things where like, whoa, you say this, but it's like, well, I can't get some, this some stuff you year just, round. Yeah, some things you just have to do. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you guys are currently in your summer menu, which just launched at the time of this recording. When this episode goes live, it'll be about. Give or take, if my math is right in my head, about a month into the summer menu. Um, when you guys change menus, how do you work with your culinary team and your chef to kind of make sure that you're cutting down on that, you know, whether it's kind of zero waste or local sourcing or anything like that? I mean, what's your R&D process like before a menu like this launches? Seasonal vegetables have some kind of play, but, yeah. you know, if, if you're not focused on that, you can get, you can get Peruvian purple potatoes whenever you want. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, money talks. Uh, seasonality, definitely in vegetables, has something to, you know, some effect. Bailing on comfort dishes of the winter and those kind of heavier risottos and, uh, you know, heavier sautéed items um, and, and things off fry. Um, with this particular menu... Uh, I kind of got a lot of what I, I wanted. Um, I mean, I've always mostly gotten what I wanted because it's mine, but... <laughs> yeah, it's your name on the building, so... <laughs> but this is... But it's not just a dictatorship, you know? I, I want things to be... I want things to be... Yeah. Even I want to have everybody have their voice. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I've, I am a sushi freak. I love sushi, but we've never had any kind of sushi here. And so I wanted to do sushi, but not just... Not just the traditional, you know, cut rolls or doing sashimi. I want to do something fun. We're trying to trying to put spins on traditional uh, fare, and I thought we could do something like a, you know, like a I call it the Tokyo Taco. We want to do something like an open face kind of hand roll that you could eat differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing Tokyo tacos, which is uh, which is a hand roll. I just love shrimp tempura, crab spicy tuna avocado cucumber all that kind of stuff soy paper seaweed like it doesn't matter if it's got soy and wasabi on there i'm game so we did uh we did that and then i'm in love with uh, i we we frequent dana kai and dana point yep and they have these they have these um spicy uh, uh spicy ahi and spiced tuna and cream cheese stuffed jalapenos and they're tempura and they're like my favorite thing on earth and it come you know i just hit them with wasabi and soy 
So like, hey, we could do this. It's just food, you know. I mean, it's just it's been that's been the game forever is borrowing and adapting and yeah. you know, rethinking some some classic things. Yeah, you go out and you get inspired by something. You say, oh, I want to do this, you know, on my turf. Like, how do I take this and interpret it? So yeah. Now it becomes it exactly. Works for so our space. so we stole that one and we're calling it uh, Pacific Peppers and it's a similar kind of approach. It's got spicy tuna and a, a flavored cream cheese in there and it's tempura and panko. It's just, Nothing about that sounds bad. Bomb. Yeah, we do that with a wasabi ranch and a sweet soy dipper, and it's been it's been a hit. And I'm I get to eat it. <laughs> I get to get what I want. <laughs> like, oh, it's R and D day. Great. <laughs> but the coolest thing, um, the thing I'm most proud. Of, I mean, I'm definitely proud of the environmental aspect of this place. It's something that's fundamental to who I am as a person. But I'm really proud of uh, the menu design. Um, that I did myself, we're all used to that classic menu of starters, appetizers, and this is where the soup section is, and then comes the salads, and then the sandwiches and burgers, pastas, meats, etc. I've never seen anything like what we're doing. So the menu, uh, for those of you who haven't been here yet, uh, we look forward to seeing you, but the menu is the globe. It is a the map and everything is placed on that map from where it's inspired from. And uh, so everything is just kind of regional cuisine in that international vibe. So if you're feeling like some kind of Latin fare, uh, you can you can travel the menu and and have some flautas that are vegan. Um, we have some we have a Brazilian steakhouse on the menu. That uh, that has a mojo de ajo, and we're trying to use you know local local ingredients for that that globally inspired yeah. um, fare, and uh, it's it's been really fun. Like one of these one of our best sellers right now because it's hot and everyone's loving something chilled is this chilled Japanese soba salad. It's vegan. We got a goju jang tofu on there that is yeah off the charts. Uh, super, super tasty that he, uh, my chef, Ronnie Chavez, made this uh, dashi that, uh, from seaweed and stuff. All the sauces are phenomenal, but it's very light and appealing. And we want to have a lot of offerings for vegan and vegetarian people. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone's got allergies and, and different eating preferences these days more than ever. Um, so we want to try to be as accommodating as possible for that. It's magnanimous of you. I know there's a lot of people that are like, okay, done. Like, let us know if it's a severe allergy. Otherwise, you know, we're not substituting. This is what it is. Right. So that's awesome what you're trying to do it that way. Um, I wanted to ask Thank about you. the menu, not in the sense of just the new one coming out, but kind of as we wind down this main episode, um, and I'm going to keep you around for a bonus episode also because I've got more questions that I want to ask. But when you were opening this place, you know, was it just that drive in you to kind of make things better and try to change the industry a little bit? whether it was sourcing local and things like that. I mean, what drove you to do the global menu? Because you could have made it easy on yourself and you could have done that classic menu like you talked about right here on the tracks right. and you probably would have still done the exact same type of you know numbers just based on the location and the quality of everything. But why, why push? Why, why make some of your guests potentially uncomfortable just to have the conversation and the belief? Because I, I like it. I respect it. I think that people should it's be fun. pushed a little bit. It's fun. You, you, you know what it... It makes people do. It makes people read the menu. Yeah. And and they're coming across stuff that they probably would have completely overlooked because I'm a burger guy and I get a burger every restaurant I go to and I yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I do. I'm a burger guy. Um, because people are 
just in their comfort zone, and we wanted to, you know, edge them and, and poke them and push them a little bit. They're still going to find some, I use the term vanilla. You know, a lot of, a lot of our clientele is an older clientele. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to ostracize them. No, they're paying the bills. No, you gotta, you gotta keep people around. You still gotta have some of those safety dishes. Yeah. I can't just have generation Z out here spending money. They're, yeah. they're hurting. Um, I was gonna say we don't have that much. Yeah, I don't even know. No, I'm millennial, but yeah, we don't have that much of it either. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, we try to make things cost effective too, and 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 price sensitive. You know, we've been criticized on Yelp for being overpriced, but that's okay. Everybody has. I know. I, so, I think McDonald's has. So yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't put too much weight on that. But um, we wanted to try to have something for everyone, and although that's an incredibly tough, you know, reach. Uh, it's something that can be achievable if if you just kind of try things out and put your mind yeah. to it. And yeah, I want I want to be different. I want to be not the run of the mill restaurant. It makes it makes it more exciting. Yeah, a hundred percent. Your, I mean, as we kind of wind down, what would be your elevator pitch for someone that maybe hasn't come? It's summertime now. I know most people want to go kind of hit, you know, the Lagunas or Danos or San Clemente's if they're down in this area, but why should they come to the depot? And specifically, why are they coming here to Trevor's? Well, I think you need to come check out San Juan overall. Um, You know, it's, it's popping up on, you know, little getaways that, you know, on, we were working with Locale for a while. Mm -hmm. They're a great organization. They, they put out a piece. It was like, you know, little getaways and a lot of those, um, Orange Coast and those kind of magazines and LA Times and such, uh, hop on the train, hop on the train, go check something out, right? Go explore this wonderful place that we live in. A lot of people flock here from all over the world to be in this weather and, see the beach and and all that stuff and while we don't have uh, an ocean view we have a lot to offer in san juan so i i would be on the promoting the san juan train um obviously we're we're right in the heart of it um more exciting things are to come with river street and just the overall progression of the culinary vibe in in san juan what heritage has done is outstanding i mean those guys are awesome and i salivate for that brisket um, but just, yeah, you know, it's, we use that term that the, you know, rising tide lives off, uh, lifts all, all boats. And yeah, I really 100%. think that's happening here. Um, my, my pitch, I mean, we're, we're something different, although it's something still familiar and, uh, we have live music every night. I have live music, uh, all day long on Saturdays and Sundays, all afternoon, evening on Fridays. We have over 50 acts a month uh, and it's all local musicians that are, you know, doing what they love. And I, I want to be supportive of that. I find that uh, we, we have a lot of special occasions and we want to just be that place for people to get together and enjoy themselves. We're right in the middle of San, uh, right in the middle of LA and San Diego with Ortega going out that way too. So we, we find that it's a meeting place for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it's very convenient that we're right off the freeway, you know, we're a minute off the freeway and just easily, easily accessible. Um, and if you can take the train, great, but it's just, it's a neat experience and we want to, we want to showcase that. 
Well, Trevor, I want to thank you for this main episode. Like I said, I have more questions, so I'm going to keep you around for a bonus episode, which people can find over on Patreon. But before I let you go, if people want to learn more about the restaurant, check out the summer menu, find you guys on social media, things like that. Where can people do that at? We're at trevorsatthetracks.com. And uh, that's our handle on Trevor's at the Tracks on uh, Instagram and Facebook. My marketing director, Jen Wales, has done a terrific job in promoting us online. And uh, we want to continue that. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for the time on this one. And uh, cheers to continued success. I've, I've always been a thank huge you. fan of Trevor's. I've spent many a Sunday fun day down here that's inevitably led me going down to Zoomars and getting into a staring contest with that ostrich. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun time and I'm very, very thrilled for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much to Trevor for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, thank you to Jennifer Wales, Wales Communications, for helping us set this up. She does killer photography and PR and is a really good friend in person. Uh, thank you to Ali Coyle, who provides the music for the show. Thank you to everybody, whether you are listening on free feeds or if you are listening to this ad-free and early access, along with the exclusive bonus episode over on Patreon, um, and especially to Patreon. Thank you so, so much. Again, Tell your friends about it. Early ad-free listening. I'm working on new projects to further enhance that value that you get from it. And it's only going to get better as it continues to do with each and every episode. I hope you liked 122. We're going to be back very, very soon. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sasha Lyons, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, Burger Master, It Ain't Easy Being Greasy, Boyga Kang. Thank you for your support.